welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast where I talk to other podcasts about their podcasts. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter, smym underscore fm. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, it's actually going to be a two-parter. I've got Lindsay Patterson. She's the host of the Tumble podcast, a podcast, a science podcast geared towards kids, teaching and entertaining kids with science. It's awesome. You should check it out. Um, we talk this episode actually though about her article she posted on Medium recently, just in talking about podcasting as a medium and and the platforms that we have available to us and what we should be demanding as podcasters in terms of what we put out there and what we pay for and what should we pay for and things like that. And just kind of having a fun dialogue about that. So hopefully it provokes some discussion for you. And uh, and then of course tune in for episode two next week. Enjoy the show. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, um, I was it's it's an interesting world of podcasting that we're in these days, 2015, and uh, and for all the progressiveness in terms of uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Need a little more coffee in my brain, I guess. The the progressiveness of uh, inclusiveness of anybody can podcast. It's still looking back through my guest list. It's still remarkable how many just dudes. <laughs> I talk to in podcasting, so it's refreshing. I wasn't going to mention that. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not an intentional thing, but um, what sort of brought you on my radar was uh, tweets from Ashley. You tweeted out your article that you wrote on Medium, proposed on Medium, about podcasting and where is the YouTube for podcasting. And I want to just kind of dive right into it, and we'll get into your show in a little bit of sort of what prompted the article for your from your perspective, and where were you coming from with it? Well, I'm the sort of person who loves to dive into industry news. I soak up everything that I can about the podcasting business because I've gotten so excited about podcasts over the past year um, as a way for me to make money making audio, which is what I truly love to do. And um, I come from the public radio world in which if you wanted to work with audio um, in making audio stories, you were basically fading yourself for a job in a low-paid local station environment. So when podcasting came out with all the promise of people making money and then serial blew up and then people started really paying attention, I got super into looking into the business side and the technical side. And as I listened to these conversations about how people are making money in podcasting, how they're dealing with advertisements, and how they're trying to come up with their numbers, come up with data, um, understand how people listen to podcasts, how people interact with podcasts and particular stories, it just struck me that we seem to be creating sort of like creative solutions that were ignoring an elephant in the room, which is that podcasts are not on the right platform right now. And it's been kind of a a default uh, platform that we're on iTunes. In fact, they just celebrated their 10-year anniversary with a podcast. And it just seems like we're not talking about the platform. We're talking about ways to get around the platform. And the fact is that the platform does little to nothing for podcasters. And also listeners complain about it. But 
uh, as the sort of solutions that people have come up with um, in terms of new apps and, you know, you can find a really decent app to listen to podcasts on, although there's still, uh, you know, social sharing and viral things like that that are still not ideal. We're really ignoring the needs of podcasters. And the two biggest things are that there's no easy way to make money. You basically have to go into podcasting and look at it as growing a business, unless you're creating it to already supplement your business or you never intend to make money with it. But if we're speaking in the environment of making money with podcasts, it you have to jump over a really high bar with your listenership um, and get, I've heard, anywhere from 20,000 listens to 50,000 to make to attract advertisers to your show. And frankly, just most people are not going to do that. So, and as well that the what really started getting me about iTunes is it's really hard to get data from them and know where that data is coming from if you're coming if you're kind of squeaking it in from a third-party host, which is how it's set up. So I know I'm kind of wrangling, but I think you get the idea that there's a complex ecosystem that is all working around the fact that iTunes doesn't work for podcasters. (laughs) And if you look at it, I started thinking about YouTube because I also um, produce videos, but you know, podcasting was my way back into audio. (laughs) But basically, if you go on YouTube, you make money just by clicking a link and getting the audience. It's like you don't have to do additional work to then either seek out somebody who's going to sell your show for you or find your individual advertisers or decide, do I want to do a Kickstarter? Do I want to merchandise? Do I want to ask for donations? Um, do I want to create some other kind of membership, premium content? Like all these things YouTubers do not have to give a second thought to because even if they've gotten into it just for the fun of it, they can discover that they're making money sort of automatically. And from there, they can build a business on top of that. But while they're uploading their videos for free, uh, creators of podcasts are paying for hosting and they're not getting even like a small percentage back of what YouTube gives to video creators. So I just think it's time for podcasters to start demanding what is needed and what is sort of baseline for any sort of content creator in this day and age, which is data and I think to a lesser extent money, but data is really important. <laughs> yeah, which okay, there's a lot to unpack there. The yeah, the um, which that's what I love about the article. And I'll, I'll link in the show notes, of course, to to the article to Lindsay's article on Medium, and uh, which you can find at goodstuff.fm/smym/94 is this episode number. But um, the it, it is just when you said that of like YouTubers are, or video creators are uploading to YouTube for free. And podcasts are uploading files that are a fraction of the size of videos and paying for it. It just made this like, I was like, yeah, that is, we, we need a revolt here. This is ridiculous. That we're- yeah, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> and I don't, I don't understand why people 
are satisfied with the situation that we're in or content to kind of innovate around something that is inherently broken at the core of what we're doing. Yeah, I think the where where you get into a lot of this is probably like folks, I mean, I'm not that long in the tooth in podcasting, but say five to seven years or something like that, that I've been doing podcasting, podcasting. And so you kind of just fall into like the way things are. And I certainly, I have, a, I have I've done my own little experiments with YouTube as well. And not just like with uh, good stuff related stuff, but like have, as I've mentioned before, like doing a Minecraft video series or whatever. And, and through that series made enough money to at least pay for my copy of Minecraft. And so, but yeah, like, just like you said, I just kind of did it and had to click a button, turn on AdSense or whatever it's called. And, and then the money just was collected for me. And, and it wasn't like, I, there's probably YouTubers on the other side of the argument who are like, well, YouTube is only paying us 30 cents or three cents on every dollar or whatever. The, you know, Actually, the- I mean, the most recent statistics I've seen are about that the, the profit share is um, 45% for YouTube and 55% for the creator. Oh, wow. So if you compare that to something like Spotify, where people are making fractions of a penny, it, you know, it's, it seems pretty fair. Um so far, yeah. you know, YouTube could always change that, and that's sort of the bad thing about YouTube. But you know, they're making a decent amount of money. That's not to say that you. It's as easy as like starting an account and the money starts rolling in. Um, it takes a while to get the kind of audience numbers that will allow you to make a living. But a lot of if you read any you know creation story of a youtuber it's like for example pewdiepie who's the number one youtuber in the world he's a gamer um from sweden he made 7.3 million dollars last year and i'm not i don't think that that's just from youtube but he doesn't do a lot of brand endorsements so it's safe to say that a lot of that does come from youtube and he just started, you know, he was wor- working in a hot dog stand, started making videos of himself playing videos, and now he's, you know, making millions of dollars. That's just not a story that podcasters could come by because there would have had to be a lot of intention in creating that audience and getting that kind of money. Yeah, that's where the the definitely the success stories of in the YouTube world, which is, I guess to be fair, maybe is a little bit longer or um, more uh, mature, but, but it does have, does have that idea of like, and PewDiePie, I know put a video recently. I was just trying to find it for the show notes, but uh, because you know, this article came out about how much money he made. And so he just kind of put an article about sort of responding to it and talking about it a bit, which was great. I don't know if that's probably what you had seen as well. I'm guessing yeah, yeah, I his response to it as well too, which is good. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. He still would be happy making these videos no matter what. He, and, and which is always nice to hear from someone who has millions of dollars that the money, does. <laughs> but I, I, I respect it what he said. seemed really sweet in that video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at, at the same point, yeah, it's, it would be something like if Libsyn or if uh, some of the PowerPress um, and Blueberry and uh, some of the other podcast hosts, feed presses are the guys we work with. And if they flipped the model around and were aggressively, because we have ad companies like Midroll and um, what's five by fives, uh, 
anyways, there's other ad networks that will go out and find ads for you as a podcaster, as long as you have a certain amount of downloads. I think that's what I'd, you and I have had a conversation back and forth on Twitter and on, and sort of on your medium article too, about different numbers and stuff. And there was like mid rolls sort of at the 50,000 downloads per episode before they'll take you on as a client, your podcast as a client to go get you ads. And so, yeah, like you said, that's way out there. Like in terms of you sort of have to have that hit single in order to get even anywhere near that these days. Um, But they don't do any hosting. So you're still, even if you have like this crazy successful podcast, um, you're still going to go pay Libsyn 30 bucks a month for hosting, which if you're making 50,000 downloads, you're probably getting paid enough to be able to afford that. But it is kind of funny that, yeah, again, in this day and age. um, And I know SoundCloud has been doing, making waves in terms of trying to get podcasters on their platform. And that's like you referenced in your article. They're kind of like one that's, attempting to do a bit of the YouTube for podcasts, but the tools aren't quite there yet, but they're definitely coming along better than what they used to. And maybe that's like I was saying earlier, some of us uh, crotchety old people who are, it's like, but you don't know how good you have it now compared to what it was. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. It's just that we, there, it's a very young medium, even if it is just celebrating its 10 year anniversary or birthday. Um, there's plenty of space that it can go to. We have not captured the maximum audience that we could. People are still like, I've never downloaded a podcast before. What is it? Um, yeah, it's like anybody who's making a podcast sort of has to go into a conversation about podcasts in terms of like, have you listened to this before? Do you know how to get it? Let me show you how to do that. You know, these are not conversations that we have about online video or blogging at this point. So it's it's very young. And so I feel like when people are saying, you know, we already, you know, there's ways around this. Like, why aren't you just satisfied with what you have? It's like, we need to keep looking to the future because we don't, we have we're so far from a perfect system, you know, and it's just it would be really unwise for podcasters to not uh, advocate for themselves and getting the things that they need to be more successful and to help the medium be more successful. And so that's why I've just gotten so frustrated with iTunes recently. It's not that it's bad or that they're making money, on, like tons of money off the Backs of podcasters and not giving it to anybody else. Like they're not doing that, but they're not helping in any way. They're not moving the medium forward. They just continue to allow podcasts to exist and they don't provide anything else. So it's, I think that it seems really logical to look for a different platform that will be more focused on the needs of both podcasters and listeners yeah and i think the where apple set it when apple set it up originally it was kind of just like it was this again i i'm not going to keep playing this dumb like as if i'm so old and (laughs) we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow or whatever but like the it was like this huge opportunity that they built because there was nothing before that but then they like many things online not just apple things but many things just kind of let it stagnate and there is i know there is folks within apple we have contacts with Apple or good stuff here that they, they're awesome. They're passionate about podcasting. They love it. I'm sure they don't get half the budget that they wish they could to do more with it in terms of what iTunes does for it. And I'm sure they fight for us internally at Apple. Um, Cause I know like with, 
if if you're involved with um, networks or a certain level, I don't know what how Apple decides or when they decide this, but there is actually like a podcast site manager app that they have tied into like if you've ever sold your app on iTunes or your or an iBook or whatever, similar kind of sure. system. But again, you have to be at a certain level to have that access. Otherwise, yeah. it's, to most podcasters, it seems like a black box. And um, yeah. it also privileges people who have more access who are on who are on networks which the vast majority of podcasts are not um, and who get to be curated into those collections like you might be happy with that if you're uh, you know on Gimlet or WNYC or something because that means more people are going to <clears throat> find your podcast versus other people's podcasts um, but it just doesn't seem like something that would drive the podcast forward as a medium. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it does certain it's, that's what I know I've been feeling too, is the bar has been raised so high now that unless you're in that club, it's very hard to get to that club because <laughs> the club sort of just like many other sort of marketing circles on the web where it kind of just feeds itself. Like Gimlet is like proud to feature other ones like other popular podcasts because they know that by mentioning them or whatever. And it's not like it's a conspiracy theory per se. It's just kind of the way things are, I guess. And and that's what I, I enjoyed about your article of just like um, that idea. And it, it is like, I would, I would suggest though for folks who aren't, who maybe think they don't have enough of a reach or, or a big enough audience or whatever to reach out to Apple and iTunes and, try and get some access if they want to because that's the only way they're going to change too is is by uh hearing from folks but at the same token yeah, I completely get you have, to, you have to know that that's, a that's possibility. An option. yeah i know they definitely <laughs> they don't make of, it easy for them to contact uh you know podcast managers and things like that yeah yeah exactly so do so you still yeah there's still some level of being in the know to make that work for you yeah for sure and so hopefully if you're out there listening to this show like this then that would Maybe you can ask me questions about that and I can help you get directed to that. But it definitely when you're first starting out and you're listening to some, especially uh, it tends to be anyways in the, like if a podcaster is kind of in that realm of making money off their podcast explicitly with the idea of podcast, telling other podcasters how to make money off the podcast. Uh, I got myself turned around in a circle there, but basically <laughs> that idea. It's deep dark hole of making money off podcasts. Yeah. Which is. It sucks you in. Yeah. And so it's, it is hard to get sort of straight answers sometimes because it feels like people are very wary of giving away secrets or something or whatever. I don't know. Um, and don't want you to somehow take over what they've managed to claw their way up to or something, I guess. So, but, um, yeah. So the, um, (laughs) the, the, there's sort of four main points that you made and we've kind of ran around various levels of them. The simple monetization, which is again, like with YouTube where, especially with YouTube, it's very easy to turn on monetization. Then you still have to build your audience, obviously. Actionable data, which again, that's where something with some of the companies you you can find, like Libsyn, et cetera, um, will give you data, some better than others as far as stats. But it's still, there is a um, an inherently difficult issue of like where YouTube has, the only way you can play a video is on YouTube and one of their apps, or it's embedded with their player somewhere else podcasts there's just like you said there's so many different players and it's kind of like there's a almost like a technical level of a standard that needs to be met somehow with some sort of different kind of audio file format or something 
technical on that level that would allow for better stats without being creepy and invasive, you know, because mm. we're kind of yeah. stuck with this MP3 format, which is good for in terms of compression and audio and stuff. Good enough anyways, but it doesn't allow for any sort of like hooks and, um, and oh, I wanted to preface all this discussion should have at the beginning, but it's not that we're as Lindsay and I are discussing this. We're not looking for you to send in a re, uh, answer because there, there really isn't. Like you, you might have something that looks and works great. There's like we mentioned some of them, Libsyn or or whatever. There's stuff out there that works, but we're just talking about having a conversation about what could be next. I guess is yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there's just so much room for innovation that we don't have to say like, but what about this? It's like it's if it doesn't. And, you know, please do tell me if there is a podcast host or platform that offers monetization, but there's not. <laughs> <laughs> if it, so, like, my basic rule of thumb is that it, if it, the platform does not offer monetization, simple monetization for podcast creators and could potentially be an iTunes killer, like it's not there. It's not really what we're talking about here. Yeah, exactly. And there's, that's, it's, um, I was just trying to think, there's one uh, podcast hosting platform that's I was, I was messing around with and uh, I just can't draw the name to my brain, but they're building in support for like uh, sponsorship management again, which is a great mm. system that would be very helpful where you can, you know, tie your sh- episodes to a certain sponsor and then that sponsor can go in and see reports on it. And, you know, and, and that again, transparency and stuff in terms of the data that they're not reliant on me sending them the data and maybe may or may not be telling them exactly what happens. Cause it's in my best interest to make sure the numbers look good. And if I don't, if the numbers aren't great, then maybe I'm more re- re- likely to mess with those numbers or whatever, I guess is maybe the fear. And, and especially when you're talking lots of money for, for shows and things like that. Cause, um, but again, it's still not that idea of like sort of a podcasting agent or not having to worry about sponsorship and going and getting sponsors. Um, and what, from what I hear from folks who do the sponsorship, um, recruitment or sales, uh, for podcasts is that the businesses now have, recognize that they're kind of getting control over it where they can demand lower click-through rates, lower uh, CPC, CPM dollars for uh, an episode and more downloads per episode. And so the power is shifting because the podcasts are kind of like beholden to these businesses. What was the line you used in Twitter? You said to me on tweet, Twitter the other day, we're kind of like podcasting was built on <laughs> It was sort of a, a corporate foster child. Like yeah. it didn't come you know, Apple didn't invent it, but from a very young age, it's been under the control of Apple. So, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not this kind of indie platform that we would like to imagine it as because we are all indie creators. We're, you know, we are beholden to one of the biggest corporations on the planet. So, um, that's probably an exaggeration. I don't know what. Well, no, and that's what <laughs> I was going to say. Ranks, but they're, yeah. you know, they're very big. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, and that's uh, it. I don't. I from. I we've just been started talking, but in our conversations previous to this, I know that, like, it's not that you're necessarily saying that there's like this devious thing that they're planning to do. It's just that more out of uh, maybe out of negligence, if anything. But having it's kind of like holding the platform, but not really caring for it, and just. Yeah, kinda, I mean. <laughs> To again, use the foster care 
acknowledge <laughs> to use the foster care analogy that is what's happening it's like it's not great care <laughs> but you know it might be better than what was before but like certainly we aim to improve our situation right yeah yeah, uh, zencast.fm is the site I was trying to, couldn't come to my oh, brain. I knew yeah. it was some sort of uh, zen-like thing, but I couldn't, I guess I wasn't relaxed enough to <laughs> think of what it was. But uh, it's in beta, I think, right now still, but uh, in, and uh, he's, I've been chatting with the developer of it, and it looks awesome, it looks great, so if you're, that's a, but again, it's, right now it's a host, it's, it has great looking stats, it has easy ways to publish, all that kind of stuff, And you, but you're still paying them for hosting and, and that kind of thing, and so... Um, and the sponsorship stuff is sort of an add on that he hasn't completely finished yet, but, um, it's an awesome looking, like if I was starting from scratch today, that would be what I would look to. Cause it just takes away a lot of the struggles of how, how to publish a podcast and stuff and mm-hmm. pricing wise seems to be comparable anyways. But again, we're, <laughs> you're going back to the paying someone else to do something. So in your article, I think, and probably in comments you got back was like, well, why don't you just publish your podcast on YouTube would be like one one way of getting around that, right? Because then you're, you've got your audio on YouTube, the audio, you can flip on the monetization thing with YouTube, um, just to sort of push back a bit, I guess, or whatever, for dialogue's sake. Yeah. Why well, doesn't that work? I, th- I think that people do put their podcasts on YouTube, um, but it is not a widely used medium. I think it works well, and I was just checking this out. Um, uh, C.P. Gray, who's a popular YouTuber, puts his... Uh, podcast Hello Internet on YouTube, and it gets, I think it gets like a a large fraction of the his regular viewership. So that's a way that he can make money from an audience that already exists on YouTube. But for other people, it's number one, it doesn't have the same convenience that a regular podcast platform would have, in that you can just stream it easily or you can download it. You can't download a YouTube video, um, not legally anyway. <laughs> so um, it's just not, it's not the same technology. Um, but my argument is that if YouTube create intentionally created a platform to host audio, that would translate into being able to download, being able to stream. Um, another person made the point that if your screen goes to sleep while you're watching YouTube, say on your phone, uh, it, then it stops. Like it just is not working for the kind of mobile listening that we're we're seeing so much potential for podcasting in. Um, so. But if YouTube was able to build that intentional podcast platform, it would bring massive audiences to podcasting. You know, the people who want to listen to, you know, TED Talks, uh, you know, who sort of like click over to another tab and listen to the audio of a like long YouTube video. Um, It would heal a lot of the user pain that we have now that we're struggling to figure out how to get podcasts into the mainstream. Being on a platform like YouTube would bring podcasts into the mainstream um, and expose it to audiences that have never been exposed to podcasting and would likely enjoy the podcasts that they do find there. Plus, 
it's already got the infrastructure for monetization. It's already got infrastructure for really good data. It's already got a really good audience engagement platform. And it would just be a really simple solution to the kind of thing that we've been trying to work around on like sort of uh, like bootstrapped basis. Yeah. And that's where I wonder just when you're describing all that stuff, I wonder if, if YouTube hadn't, or um, I guess they didn't, but they, if the whole video gaming let's play stuff that is so common and hugely popular on YouTube and twitch.tv and stuff, I wonder if that hadn't, if that didn't come along the way it did and kind of became the, the thing, I wonder if YouTube would have been more aggressive and maybe they still will, but if, if YouTube and by extension, Google would have been more aggressive in the whole podcasting realm is like thinking that that would be the next medium they needed to sort of, cause they, YouTube is now setting up their own copy or version of twitch.tv for video game, like a, a portal basically mm-hmm. just for video game players because of the popularity of Twitch um, and, and their attempts to buy it and then Amazon bought it. But um, cause yeah, it would, it would make a great, addition to the podcasting world as it except for all the reasons you listed, but also just to have some sort of competition for iTunes as the de facto place. Cause right. I mean, that obviously has the potential to be an iTunes killer and the, but the other side of that is that you're sort of handing over the keys to another corporate <laughs> overlord. Yeah. And so I think that it's a huge trade off. Do you take the, ease of transition that YouTube would be able to offer. Um, Just the fact that it would take a really long time for somebody to build from scratch that kind of platform and get the user adoption and not be able to automatically open up the audience that the size of the audience that YouTube has. Um, Like, how does that weigh against we could really, we could try to build something that would be independent, something from scratch, something that doesn't have some of the corporate ownership issues that YouTube has versus this would be really easy. And I think that it would solve our problems pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's where, because like you referenced in your article, you said every other week, it seems there's a new podcast newsletter, a new podcast network, a new forum to connect podcasters to fans, a new app. Yeah, those are all those are all individuals and I think that they're doing great work because they love it and they they love podcasts and they want to solve problems. Um but it's just going to be really hard to open that up beyond the club of people who already love podcasts, who are already passionate about it. Um so it's just like we're still solving on a very small scale for something that's a really large scale problem. Yeah. And so someone without or a, someone or a business or a corporation or whatever that doesn't have the resources of a YouTube is got a long fight again ahead of them to try and just get the, because if YouTube announced tomorrow that they're doing a podcasting platform, everybody would sign up for it who podcast. Like there's no question they would just sign up and then we'll figure it out and see what YouTube is going to do with that and how evil <laughs> or good they're going to yeah. be. Whereas yeah, you or I do it or someone, you know, just even developer a that has a little bit of notoriety or whatever does it. There's still going to be the, the reluctance to port everything over to something that might disappear tomorrow or whatever, I guess too. And so right. it's, tough. it's yeah. It's really hard. Like you were just saying, like I would switch to Zen FM if I wasn't so far into it. It is really hard to switch. Like you, I guess if you right now, like the reality of it, if you have a new platform 
for podcasts, like you're only going to get people, mostly going to get people who are just starting podcasts and wouldn't have the issues of transferring their whole RSS feed over. I don't think that they, that makes it easy. Um, so it's a huge user adoption, user adoption problem from both the podcasting, both to get podcasts on your host or platform and to also get the actual listeners, the audience over. So like it's a, it's a really huge uphill battle and I admire anybody who's really trying to take that on. But when people are saying like, oh, don't just complain about it, build it. It's like, oh, I'm not, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you got one kind of uh, ignorant response we'll say nicely uh, to your media mark. <laughs> that was frustrating me last night. I just got, I started writing a response. And I was like, no, I'm not going to bother engaging this. Oh no, don't feed the trolls. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> But that idea, like the, I would say, I give credit to SoundCloud because um, for what they're trying to do, because what they they've done and they've reached out to us and we're working with them a bit, where they are happy to, not they're not looking for any sort of exclusive contracts or anything like that. They'll host the podcast. They've got an RSS importer, so they'll just take our feed for each show and have it automatic because they're just like they're hungry for content. And maybe I, I'm I'm half skeptical, half hopeful because I'm I'm skeptical in that they're probably they could be just looking for a bunch of users and a bunch of content to then say to an, an investor or a buyer for SoundCloud saying, Hey, look, we've got now 500 million people on our service or whatever. So why don't you buy us? And then, you know, we just started all over again because some company buys them and then sits on it and doesn't care. And we're back to square one, but, um, but they are making tool. And that's where like for SoundCloud, at least it does have um, some of that audience engagement stuff that you can do on their mobile app. Cause most people with, even with a like a YouTube video, occasionally they'll leave a comment on. You can they've made it very easy to leave a comment on a video, but like you said, there's no standard for a podcast page to have. Like if I try and leave a comment on a podcast page, generally that means the player is going to reset, and I won't. I'll lose my spot in wherever I was listening to, especially if I was on a phone or iPad or whatever. But even on a like if you've got often. Um, what's the one commenting discus or whatever, like some of those systems turned on or a WordPress post page that you've got turned on with commenting. If I hit submit a comment, the player stops. And if I'm listening live on the page and I have to refresh and that's again, that whole as an individual, there's very little effort or desire for me to fix that. Cause it just, it's a, but, and even if I do fix it, it doesn't help the 95,000 other podcasters out there that, <laughs> that have that issue. And so, um, right, right. Because I mean, I think it's audience engagement is so important for creators right now. And the fact is that any YouTuber can, like, all the technical skill they need is to upload their video, which you can at this point just do from your phone, like, click upload to YouTube. Yeah. And the idea that, like, podcasters have to fill, figure out how to build a community on Facebook or like, you know, troubleshoot their discus comments. And like, that's, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's like, we're already dealing with probably more podcasters need more technical know-how than video creators getting started. Um, and then to expect people to, um, maintain a web page, maintain a blog, engage on various platforms right off the bat in order to get the baseline of engagement. Like the fact that I put out 
episode that I worked really hard on. And it's just nothing but crickets because people don't know where to comment. They don't know what to say about it. Uh, it you know, it's that feeling like, yes, we have a blog, but people want to see other people interacting on there before they're going to be like the lone voice that speaks up. Like, yeah, it's just it's just a huge challenge to connect with your audience and it's so important it's like I want to hear what people think about the podcast I want to be engaged in discussion with them about what they want to hear from us and like how we can build it into the in the future into something that like they love even more like that's our that's our process like that feedback is what we have to get better and better and we podcasters continually put stuff out with no expectation of really being able to hear back from their audiences unless they have a large enough audience that like some percentage, you know, are able, you know, or the types of people who speak up. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was just saying to my wife the other day. We're talking about this. Like, it's kind of like you have you once you have a big audience, a bigger audience for a podcast, people will leave feedback and send you feedback or comments or whatever your mechanisms you're using. But until you have that and that, and sorry, that, and that also makes for a great show then because you, you hear the feedback that people are sending in, you know, and it's kind of like this interactive environment, but until you have a big enough audience, you can't create that fun show of full of feedback and interaction with the audience because nobody sends in stuff. And so you're kind of in this catch 22 of, and have this, feel like you're like you're saying like you're talking to a vacuum there's nobody out there really although the numbers say people are downloading and, and listening mm-hmm. but um that's where uh, i've talked with previous guests on the idea of, like just having sort of sort of public stats of of numbers like because uh, on a youtube video you very easily see well eight hundred thousand people have watched this video so i know that there's something going on here right and and something interesting or you can or it's um and the comments are right there on the page and stuff and and people are this, for all the knock against YouTube comments, which th- there certainly is a world of trash out there, a lot of the the genuine good crate, like you referenced CPG Gray, like I don't know whether he goes through and deletes stuff or, or not, but a lot of the comments on his videos and their and the, his subreddit and stuff is actually really good, healthy, interesting discussion about whatever the topic was that he posted a video or a podcast on, and right, and it's also like a common YouTube technique for people to ask for feedback directly. Like I watch videos where it's like, what do you think of like my new backdrop? Like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Like to be really successful, like you need to be able to encourage fans to get back to you in an easy way. And it says comment below, like right below the video. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't comment, and I'm certainly guilty of like lurking in YouTube comments, like I always want to hear what other people think about it, even if it was like a nothing video. I always read the comments. I never comment. Like it's just part knowing that you're part of a community. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And it's like I, there's only like one podcast that I've felt so passionately about that like I'll go on Twitter and be like oh my god this blew my mind otherwise like I just keep it to myself and if people ask me about it in person I'll tell them about it you know yeah but it's like we there's a lot of silent people out there who are part of your um, listenership who love your podcast but are not engaging on those platforms and to and to have to make them do the extra work to go get it is 
it's just not fair to them. It's not fair to us. Like we, we really need that. Yeah. And I said, I know I said earlier, I don't want feedback as far as answers to things, but like the, which then now we're saying we will yeah. feedback. <laughs> I know. So it's not that, but I, it was more responsive what I saw Lindsay's article getting and, and just some sort of ignorant responses, but that's uh, come, the good comes with the bad, I guess a bit on the internet. Uh, for although sure, I also but, have to say that most, most people did not respond ignorantly. Yeah, you know? that's true. Most and, people wanted to engage in a discussion. Yeah. And it was one. Yeah. So that's, I'm maybe over exaggerate, over emphasizing that one, but the, the, um, that idea of like, when you're watching, uh, part of the problem is you're watching a video on YouTube, you're have to be engaged with what you're consuming or watching or whatever verb you want to use. But whereas the podcast, you can be driving in a car and there's no way you can leave a comment or you're walking down the road or whatever, biking and stuff. And there's so many different places where you can be listening to a podcast that it's physically almost impossible to leave a comment. And then you have to remember to go, this is where I feel like I don't, a sort of like a podcast app having a built-in like tap a button and just send an audio response right now, which would be cool mm-hmm. if like some sort of mechanism like that would exist. There's no way just around the physical issue of I can't type in a comment while I'm driving or biking or whatever when I'm listening to a podcast. And that's just a, that's a limitation, I guess, of the the medium that we're in. Um, yeah, I think that that's a really good point that there is an inherent challenge in responding that um, other mediums that are more, you know, eyes on the screen are not dealing with. Yeah. And we've tried, I know I've tried like in this, I've heard other podcasters use things like Google voice numbers that you can call and leave or, or different services online to leave voicemail responses to things. And that could work. Cause if you think of like traditional radio, if you, some the host says something you disagree with or whatever you they you know say call right now to blah 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 and so you can just pick up your phone while you're listening and call and theoretically you could do something similar with a podcast but again it, yeah it feels a bit, also, sorry go ahead yeah oh go ahead um i'll also argue that like data really good data helps solve some of those problems and fill in some of those gaps for creators um and i think that we can point to the new npr one app as at least public radio recognizing that and solving it for themselves because they're getting, when people listen to NPR One, they have the built-in infrastructure that they can see exactly what people are clicking on in the app, how long they listen for, what sorts of things have turned them off, what sorts of things have them listen to the end of the story, um, how many time, how many hours they've logged listening to the app, which could trigger, um, you know, direct targeting for donations. Like, hey, you've listened for 100 hours. Like, maybe it's time that you invested in NPR, which you obviously, we know for a fact you use a lot. You know, it's like, that's the sort of data that they have never been able to get through the radio. And they recognize that they can build a platform to get the kind of listener feedback that they've never gotten before. Even though people comment on NPR, even though you know, people do pony up for donations. Like they have created that platform that, you know, podcasters need, but don't have yet. You know, it's still, you know, within the realm of a proprietary software. Yeah. Which is something exactly. That's where the rest of us can't, it's not like a thing that we can all just join in and use. It's locked to them, which is, they built it fair, fair enough. <laughs> but Yeah, but I think that yeah. it shows that it, the problem can be solved. The technology exists. And, 
you know, it's not enough for them to have their shows on platforms like Stitcher or whatever people are listening to different platform, different shows on, which, you know, it's all available other places. It's like, but they know that they're going to be able to get way more detailed information if they build it themselves and it can be done. And, you know, everybody ought to have the benefit of that. And that's what all the YouTubers have. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I know like the, some of the bigger networks, the like five by five TV and uh, I'm sure other meal radio at one point had one, I think like where they've built their own apps, but in general, it's I, my impression as I've never seen the back end of how they work or whatever. My impression is a lot of those ones are kind of just like portal apps that basically take their own RSS feed and just feed out the shows to you and maybe provide a, a few things in terms of like notifications and stuff, but generally not like building in the, the kind of YouTube ask stats, data collection stuff that's going on just because it takes a ton of work and, and the scale, uh, the number of listeners that those smaller networks, which are still bigger networks than us or whatever, um, it still isn't big enough to justify. And, and they kind of probably fall by the wayside eventually as not enough people are using it or it costs money to, they can't sell those apps. They have to give them away because nobody's right. going to buy it. But yeah, um, it'd be awesome if somebody like a, a app development company took this on in some way. And like us as podcast producers, that's where I feel like if there was a platform, an app platform of some sorts for that, that we could pay and white label, I would be okay with that for sure. Like at some level of investment, I feel like I'm okay with paying for tools, especially if they're not directly making any other money other than just building the platform and, and helping host it or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like, you know, I don't want to complain too much about like we pay for this and it should be free. It's, it's not like, it is not totally a lot of money to pay for hosting or if you were want to get an app for your program, it's just that um, we're not really getting anything for what we're paying for in comparison to something that is being offered for free on another medium. It's just like, it's an interesting comparison. Yeah. Um, And that's, it'll be interesting when um, just when you said that, I remember SoundCloud is supposedly coming out with some sort of like monetization strategy thing. Maybe you've heard, I know your show is you're publishing there. So maybe you've heard about it too, mm -hmm. but there's like a a sponsorship type advertising platform that you can opt into. um, It's coming down the road or whatever. And so Maybe that'll help them like, cause certainly there's less, even if the, the platform is made free for me to publish my show on, it still is just a thing I have to do. And so if there's zero motivation other than giving, feeding the SoundCloud monster, so to speak, <laughs> then maybe I'm not interested. Just like it is right now, I could, you and I could upload our podcast to YouTube if we really want to, but it just feels like it's not it's not well, worth it. Yeah. yeah, we're not we're not going to make money by uploading our podcast to YouTube because with a nice thumbnail. Uh, it's a, just, yeah. yeah, you have to have <laughs> the audience on there. You have to build your audience specifically to that platform. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I think that I think I feel like we could go on. We've probably gone on. Oh yeah, we could while. go on forever. Yeah, it's fun <laughs> to talk podcasting, and and I hope the, as you as listeners out there, you sense that as much as it sounds like maybe Lindsay and I are complaining about stuff, it's kind of just fun and interesting to dialogue and dream, and then so. um I welcome your feedback. We actually, at Good Stuff, we've started using it, actually inspired a little bit we by uh, CPG Gray stuff, uh, subreddit for Good Stuff on Reddit, just shortly before Reddit kind of blew up and became <laughs> this terrible thing. So we picked bad timing, but our little subreddit is kind of nice and, and safe. So um, 
there's a link in the show notes to discuss this episode. If you want to leave comments and, and discuss it there, uh, I would love, uh, as much as I love your feedback directly to me, I feel like just like we've talked about in this episode, both for like showing that there's audience engagement, but also for having a conversation with other listeners about this topic. Mm-hmm. It's way better to do that in some sort of public space. And we don't have comments built into good stuff, but there's a, as a, a technology anyways, the subreddit for with Reddit, it works great for commenting and, and discussion there as well as allowing for like me to remove stuff that if it gets nasty or whatever, which it doesn't, has never gotten that way with there. Um, I also have just by way of a uh, note, there's a, a post that's linked in the, in the show notes at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 94. There's a link to a, a post in our subreddit for you to suggest future guests for show me your mic that you can also feel free to drop some comments in of people. And some folks have done that. So thank you to those folks who did and, uh, feel free to join us in the comments there. All right. Thanks to Lindsay for joining me for this episode. We're actually going to split it up into two episodes just because we had such a great conversation and I didn't want to overwhelm you with a hour and a half long episode this week. And uh, plus our family's gone around next week. And so we works out great to have a little bit longer episode and we'll split it into two, put episode two out next week. So next week, looking forward to hearing about Lindsay's podcast her, the actual podcast she does along with her husband and producer and, and sort of getting into the hows and whys of producing a, a science podcast focused on four kids. And, uh, and so that's great conversation to look forward to next week. Of course, you can find all the links to the things we've discussed in this episode, this particular one, goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 94. Uh, my thanks to our sponsor FeedPress for su- supplying awesome, great hosting. If you have a podcast or just even a blog and you need great feed redirection stats that kind of stuff that's what feed.press supplies for you you can check them out at feed.press slash smym for all the details on their service and what they provide for you as a podcaster and also just as a blogger like i said if you want to support my podcasting efforts a little more directly feel free to visit patreon patreon.com slash icris is where uh sort of a kind of like crowdfunding but a ongoing campaign to support podcasts and uh the things that i create here at good stuff you can follow me on twitter i chris on twitter and show me your mic has its twitter account smym underscore fm and feel free to always email me chris at goodstuff.fm thanks for listening see you next week bye